Well, um, my wife, my beautiful wife Maddie, is two weeks away from having our fourth child. And we get to celebrate today. Henry and Alana Burnett are here with their little baby. I just had that moment where I just, I was going to call him Isaac, that's the Willis's baby. Oliver, that's what I thought they were going to call him. Hugo, Hugo, little baby Hugo, uh, which is awesome. We're so grateful uh, for his safe delivery. Uh, And Henry and I were chatting this week actually just about what it's like to kind of be a mum in that, you know, when, when, when their wives have kids, you're sort of thrown into this world of mother craft and the incredible <laughs> complexities and creativity and organizational ability that that requires and um, it's a daunting task let me tell you it's a hard task uh, and so I have nothing but uh, respect and honor for the ladies and especially for the mums that have been doing it year in year out for many years and then have seen their children go all the way through uh, we have mums who here who are have children out of home and so um, thank you and we honor you um, and we, we love the fact that God has given you this responsibility. Stephen and Janet Bly write this about the task of motherhood. No job on earth takes more physical, mental, social, emotional, and spiritual strength than being a wife and a mother. If a woman is looking for the easy life, she might try teaching tennis, cutting diamonds, or joining a roller derby team which is that hardcore, yeah, anyway. Uh, There is nothing easy about good mothering. It can be back-breaking, heart-wrenching, and anxiety-producing, and that's just the morning. Uh, I think, mums, you smile, you know that is the realities of mothering. And as a father who lives in a house with a mother, as a pastor who has the privilege of walking alongside you mothers in the church, I've seen firsthand how amazing you guys are doing. Uh, And I couldn't, it's hard to encapsulate how much I want to encourage you and spur you on in the task. I've seen how demanding the task is in almost every respect, physically, emotionally, uh, spiritually, and especially I think one underappreciated element is the the mental uh, burden that mothering has on a woman. From my perspective as a pastor, I think you ladies are doing a fantastic job. But I know that no matter how many times I encourage you and say, great job, you'll likely think, yeah, but you didn't see me screaming at my kids last night. Or, yeah, I appreciate your encouragement, but you didn't see my laziness. Or you didn't see how, you know, I I failed to teach my kids properly or in the way that I want. You might hear encouragement and think, yes, but secretly or in the depth of my heart, I know or I believe I'm actually just ruining my children. You may feel like, well, am I doing the right things? And even if I think I'm doing the right things, I'm probably doing them wrongly. Even if I'm doing the right things, I'm doing them in the wrong way. And so it's very often for mums to feel overwhelmed by the task. And so originally, we didn't actually plan to preach a sermon on mothers, to mothers, on Mother's Day. We were going to continue in our Matthew series. Uh, this week, I decided to actually address the mums uh, and address the whole congregation and, and all those involved in and around mothers. And what I want to do is address you mums in the mix of those feelings and emotions as a mum and help you see from the scriptures, how do we 
operate? How do we negotiate? How do we get through the ups and downs, the joys, the guilt, the fear that goes along with the physical burden of motherhood? And so the text I'd like to read today is a very short section of a really great psalm. And all mums, you should read Psalm 37 in its entirety. It has brilliant wisdom for you. But I just want to read verses 3 and 4. Psalm 37 verse 3 says, Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and befriend faithfulness. Delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Let's pray. Our God and Father, we ask that you may bless the preaching of your word this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Carolyn Mahaney, the wife of C.J. Mahaney, the founder of Sovereign Grace Churches in the U.S., was once asked, if you could parent your daughters all over again, what would you do differently? She writes, mistakes and failures flooded my mind. See, straight away, straight to the... But in a moment, I had my answer. I wish I had trusted God more. I wish I had trusted God more. She continues, one of my favorite verses is Psalm 37 verse 3 that we read. Trust in the Lord and do good. In my day-to-day mothering, however, I sometimes got this verse backward. I put the doing good in front of the trusting God. It's not that I didn't trust God ultimately, but at times, doing good would creep up to the front, and trusting God would get shoved to the back. I was focused on what I was doing, or not doing, for my children, and only vaguely aware of what God was doing in my children's lives. Trusting God became something of an afterthought, and I would mother my children as if it was all to me. She continues, when I put doing good before trusting God, guilt dogged my mothering. If my toddler threw a tantrum, I thought, my discipline is not consistent enough. If my teenager was spiritually lethargic, I believed my discipleship is not compelling enough. If my child fell behind, made a mistake or sinned in any way, I berated myself. You're not helping them enough. I lay awake at nights, rehearsing my deficiencies, revising my plans to be a better mum. I obsessed over my failures and overlooked God's faithfulness. When I put doing good first, nothing good I did was ever enough. When I put doing good before trusting God, fear stalked my mothering. I worried that my results would, my efforts would result in failure. I worried that my limitations would hold my children back. I worried that my sins would scar them for life. I worried that my hopes and desires for my children would end in bitter disappointment. Mums, or, and this can be applied to anyone, are you feeling guilt-dogged or fear-stalked? in the calling that God has given you. 
What should we do with these feelings of guilt and feelings of fear? Isaac Watts, the hymn writer, wrote this, Laden with guilt and full of fears, I fly to thee, my Lord. Carolyn Mahaney continues, What must we do? What Isaac Watts did. Fly to God. We must trust God in our doing good. Trusting God doesn't nullify doing good. It empowers every good work. Trusting God douses our fears and turns our self-effort on its head. Trusting God infuses our doing good with peace, joy, and energizing hope. Trusting God infuses our doing good with peace, joy, and energizing hope. How wonderful is that truth? Yet how easy it is to forget. As mums, the answer to your fears and guilt is not to stop trying and give up. It's not to avoid the good things that God has called you to do. Instead, it is to do the good with full trust and reliance and faith in God so that your doing good is carried by His power. And so today, I want us to reflect on this main truth, that trusting God infuses our mothering with peace, joy, and energizing hope for the task. It relieves us of guilt. It calms our fears and gives us faith for the job. And I want to, I want to apply this kind of, this dynamic of going forth in doing good, because you have to do good. Like, motherhood is a job. Like, when we're done with Mother's Day, it becomes you know, normal life. And you have to go back to the, the calling and the task that God has given you. But how do you go about those tasks, doing the good things, but trusting in God first? And we're going to look at that in three areas of a mother's calling today. Trusting God with your motherly love, trusting God with your motherly example, and trusting God with your motherly discipline. So point number one, Trusting God with your motherly love. One of the interesting things about parenting is that there's no license or course or university degree that you have to go through to become a parent. It's one of the hardest jobs on earth, the most complicated, difficult, taxing, long job that has eternal impact, and yet anyone, um, in a sense, can become a mother. Now, when you do a uni degree, you're taught the basics, you're taught what to do and not to do and, and the best practices, the standards, the profession, everything like that. But when you become a mom, it, it's suddenly, it's all launched upon you and you've got to figure it out as you go. So where do we go for training and help? Where do we go to learn what is the good that we're meant to do? Well, the blessing and mercy of God is that we don't have to look far. God hasn't left us in the dark and if we were to pay attention to his word, we have all that is sufficient to know how to be a good and godly mother. Let's read Titus chapter 2, verse 3 and 4. Older women, likewise, are to be reverent in behavior, not slanderers or slaves to much wine. 
They are to teach what is good. And so train the young women to love their husbands and children. The Apostle Paul establishes this framework that the older moms and the older wives in the congregation are to train the younger ones in two key aspects of life. To love their husbands and to love their children. Paul knows that young moms need training. Paul knows that, you know, we need understanding and discipline and guidance for the task. And so he says, like, basically, I, I, you know, Titus, you're not going to know how to do this. Paul, I'm, I'm not quite an older woman. We need the older women to come along with the younger women and train them how to do this. But did you notice what he called them to train them to do? To love their children. You might think that's a bit weird. You know, if there's one thing I think that moms do well instinctively, it's love their children, don't they? Carolyn Mahaney writes in her book, um, Girl Talk, Now, I know you love your daughter. You would die for her. Sometimes you feel as if you already have, many times over. You've endured labor and delivery, only to wake up multiple times per night to feed your little one. You've changed her diapers, potty trained her, taught her to dress herself, helped her with her schoolwork, prepared her three meals a day, washed and ironed her clothes, driven so many cumulative carpooling hours that your car feels more like your home than your house does. You're a mum, and mums are good at sacrificial love. It's an essential aspect of mothering. But the love Titus 2 is talking about is a tender love. It's the warm, affectionate, nurturing kind. It speaks of enjoyment and delight in our relationship with our daughters. Yes, I I agree. I think moms are generally amazing at sacrificial love. But here in Titus 2, Paul encourages the moms that the good that they're to do is not this sacrificial love. The actual word there is tender, affectionate love. He says them that they are um, to philotechnos, um, which if you study that word, it's all about tender, affectionate, sympathetic love. It's the root kind of idea of philanthropy, um, of uh, Philadelphia, brotherly love. And in, in respect to the children, it's a tender and affectionate love for their children and their husbands, by the way. <laughs> J.C. Ryle, the 19th century bishop of Liverpool, said this, Train up your child with all tenderness, affection, and patience. Love should be the silver thread that runs through all your conduct. Kindness, gentleness, long-suffering, forbearance, patience, sympathy, a willingness to enter into childish troubles, a readiness to take part in childish joys. These are the cords by which a child may be led most easily. These are the clues you must follow if you would find the way to his heart. Practically, mums, this is a calling for you to tenderly pray for your children, to take an interest in their dreams, desires, hobbies, and interests, to listen closely to them, to actually listen and not just be doing something else, but listen and and enjoy what they're saying. Even still, I call my mum when I really just want someone to listen to me, you know, like no advice or no anything else, just if I know someone is going to listen to me and I can just say whatever, whatever's going on, I call mum and I just 
say whatever's on my heart, and she'll just listen and say, I love you. <laughs> it's a call to encourage them, and then encourage them again, and then encourage them again. It's a call to express your affection physically and verbally, to say to your children, I love you, to make memories and have fun. J.C. Ryle summarizes, love is one grand secret of successful training. Nothing will compensate for the absence of this tenderness and love. Feeling overwhelmed by that list? <laughs> the reason why I bring it up is not to make you feel more guilty and more fearful. Oh, I haven't been affectionate. I haven't been tender. I, haven't, I don't do this very well. But I want to bring it up because this is what God has called you to do as mums. And it's an opportunity for you to trust. You see, there's a type of trust in God needed for sacrificial love. To die to yourself, to serve night in, night out, day in, day out. And that is good and right. But mums, there's also a type of faith and trust in God to have the power to have tender and affectionate love for your kids as he commands in Titus 2. Tender love, affectionate love, can in some ways be even more demanding. You can't huff and puff and grind your way through it like you can with other serving tasks. You can't just press on and get it done like you can with serving love. Tender love requires an emotional engagement, a disposition of spirit, a warmness of heart that may not come naturally at 8.30 p.m. when your child creeps out of bed because they're afraid. Or when you just sat down with a cup of tea to rest and they want to play a game. Or when you're running late for work and they're worried about something at school or daycare. Tender love requires trusting God to supply what won't come naturally all the time. Yet I have good news for you, moms. What God requires you to do, he will supply the grace for you to do it. In 2 Peter 1.3, he says this, His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. If he's called you to tender love for your children, if you call out to him for that grace, he will supply the power you need to do it. And as you reflect on Christ, you can see his tender love for you. Even when your children are annoying or frustrating or tiring or irritating or they're tugging on you again and again and again and you think, how can I show them tender affection right now? Remind yourselves of who you once were. Titus 3 says this, For we ourselves were once foolish, disobedient, led astray, slaves to various passions and pleasures, passing our days in malice and envy, hated by others and hating one another. But when the goodness and loving kindness of God our Savior appeared, he saved us, not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy. See that there? The goodness and loving kindness of God. Same word, tender-hearted affection. That's the love that God had for you in your most annoying and sinful state. And that's the love he will supply for you for your children in their most annoying and sinful state 
and for you in that state also as you deal with them. Are you lacking in tender love for your children? Well, mums, as the guilt rises, don't live in the guilt. The beauty of the gospel is that you can confess your struggle and your sins. Don't live in shame. Go to the cross. Lay it down. Confess, I am not tender and affectionate at times. I am stubborn and rude and angry and don't give my kids the affection and attention they need. Don't pour the guilt and shame upon yourself. Pour it out in confession to God and know you are forgiven for your lack of tender love. And then turn to him and seek his grace to supply what is lacking. Trust him to help you in this and then rise with joy and hope and energizing power to do the good that he's called you to do. See, mums, trusting God infuses your mothering with peace, joy, and energizing hope for the tasks he set for you. So trust God with your tender love. Secondly, trust God with your motherly example. I don't know if you've ever seen uh, or walked in on a child disciplining one of their toys and correcting them. Uh, You come in and see them say, How many times have I told you not to do that? And and your reaction as a parent or as a mom is to come in and say, no, 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 like, don't be so rude. Don't be so unkind. Don't be. And then you realize, oh, where did they learn how to do that? (laughs) Where did they get those words from and that expression from? And then suddenly you realize they're mimicking me. Oh, no. The reality is that our kids will copy our style, our manner, and our character. They will love what we love and hate what we hate. The great woman and writer Elizabeth Elliot says this, The example of parents for good or ill is an influence far more profound than can be measured. Proverbs 22.6 says, Train up a child in the way he should go. Even when he is old, he will not depart from it. That cuts both ways. So this is simultaneously terrific and terrifying. Mothers, you have this terrific opportunity to model and give an example to your children of what it means to be a follower of Jesus and to um, worship and love and show them what godliness is and train them in the way that they should go. You think of if in the Bible of Timothy. Uh, if you've read through the Bible, there's this man, Timothy, who pastored a lot of churches, and he learnt the faith from his mom, and she learned it from, his grand, uh, from her grandmother. Uh, the story of Lois and Eunice is a beautiful one that I commend to you. Or you may know of the story of Charles Spurgeon. His dad was a pastor and preacher, often not at home, And who taught Charles Spurgeon, the great Baptist preacher that preached to millions in his day through in-person or through his sermons being distributed and still we read them today? It was his mom. She taught him the faith. She modeled genuine prayer, heartfelt confession. She pleaded with her children. Every Sunday night, she laid down a gospel presentation to her children and pleaded that they would come to the Lord. A Puritan writer in the uh, 1800s in England, uh, sorry, America, once asked a conference of 125 pastors what was the most influential thing in them, humanly speaking, in them becoming a Christian. 
a hundred out of 125 of them named their mother as the sole major human instrument that led them to the Lord. And that's my own story. On both sides of my family, there's not a single Christian. There's no one on either side, anywhere in my entire family, that names Christ as their saviour, that knows forgiveness of sins in Christ. There's a few Catholics, but they trust in themselves and they don't really actually trust in Jesus for salvation. Yet my mum became a Christian when she was 18, walked away from the Lord for about a decade, and then one night the Lord spoke to her in a dream and said, come back to church. The next Sunday she went to church and has never stopped going. She brought us along and uh, my dad would drop us off, go to the driving range, uh, hit some balls while we would go to Sunday school and learn the gospel. Eventually, my dad became a Christian, and all my brothers uh, are now Christian. We're the only ones in our entire family because of what my mom did to train us in the gospel, to bring us to a faithful church. So, moms, you have a terrific opportunity to model and be an example to your children. But it's also terrifying, is it not? Carolyn Mahaney writes, Now, if the thought of this grave responsibility to be a godly example enervates your soul, makes you nervous, you are not alone. If you are like me, you are painfully aware of your imperfection. But this is good, for it brings us back to the cross. And so, mums, let me remind you again to trust in the Lord and do good. Your example is powerful, yet imperfect. And let this weight lead you back to the cross again. The guilt may pile up. The fears of how you may ruin your children will pile up. And what do we do? Repent of your bad example. Confess your sins of your poor portrait of God to your children. Confess it to God and seek forgiveness and know that you are forgiven. Confess it to your children. When you are in those moments of poor examples, say, mommy was selfish, mommy was angry, mommy lost her temper, I'm so sorry, I'm going to pray to God for forgiveness, would you pray with me? Would you please forgive me for the way that I was, etc., X, Y, or Z. These opportunities are opportunities for you to experience forgiveness of sins and to model what we do with our sins to our children. So even your weakness as a mother in your example is strength. Because it's an opportunity to show your kids the greatness of the gospel. Turn from your sin and turn to God for strength to be a godly example. Your children need you to show you how to become a Christian, to live a life as a Christian. They need you and therefore you need the Lord. And he wants to supply you with the power to be this example. And then trust him. Trust him with your imperfect example. Like that prophetic impression that Matt shared, the vines are everywhere. Trust him that he can weave that somehow into a beautiful story, even though you can't see how that could possibly happen. How I want my sons and my daughters to look to my wife, to Maddie, and to learn what it means to be a Christian man and woman to learn what it means to love Christ, to worship Christ through her example. Mums, the days are long, the years are short, and your impact is eternal. 
So trust God and be infused with the peace, joy, and energizing hope for the task. And this leads us to the third and final area. Like I said, we can't avoid doing good. And, you know, it's Mother's Day. I don't want to pile upon all these things you have to do. However, I do want you to know your calling and your task so that you can be overawed by it. So you go to God more quickly and go, I can't do this on my own. And this third one is, in some ways, one of the hardest. Trusting God with your motherly discipline, with your discipling of your children. Mums, do you sometimes worry what your children will turn out like? You sometimes look at character traits and things and think, oh no, what are they going to be like when they're an adult? What are they going to do when they're not with me, when they're at school or at preschool? J.C. Ryle, and I, I keep mentioning him, he has a great book called The Duties of Parents. There's no fluff in it, it's just straight to the point. Uh, I don't know if you'd like it, but it's one of my favorite books on parenting. I bought a whole bunch for the church, so you can buy it next week. It should come in time for then. But he says this. The mother cannot tell whether her tender infant, uh, what her tender infant may grow up to be, tall or short, weak or strong, wise or foolish. He may be or she may be any one of these things or not. It is all uncertain. But one thing the mother can say with certainty he will have a corrupt and sinful heart. It is natural to us to do wrong. Foolishness, says Solomon, is bound in the heart of a child, and a child left to himself brings his mother to shame. Our hearts are like the earth on which we tread. Let it alone, and it is sure to bear weeds. An uncomfortable and undeniably tiring aspect of a mother's call is to constantly discipline and train her children. It feels like you train them in one thing and then they move on to the next area of sin. You train them in that and then they go back to the one that you just trained them in. You think, oh my goodness, how am I ever going to get through this? Or you train and train and don't see the fruit that you want to see. And it can be tempting to think, I'm just going to be easy. I'm just going to let go, let God, just trust Him with the outcome. Proverbs 13, 24 says, Whoever spares the rod hates his son, but he who loves him is diligent to discipline him. Mums, if you love your kids, then you must train them and discipline them. They're little eternal creatures in desperate need of discipling and discipline. Their cute little pudgy faces are not born in conformity to God's will. And your job, your privilege and your opportunity and calling as a mum is to train them for holiness to train them to obey, to confess their sins, train them to follow Jesus, to worship Jesus, to read their Bible, sing songs, hate sin, love righteousness, be generous, just, and merciful. But it will not happen automatically, naturally, or magically. We need to be taught, and we need to be teaching. This is often very hard for mums, in my experience. It's hard because it's constant, and tiring. It's hard because at times it feels wrong. To be setting such high standards and enforcing them goes against our culture. It goes against this acceptance of who you are. It's hard because it's confusing. Should I discipline for this or not? It's hard because we love our kids and we don't want them to have to go through pain. 
or training. And it's hard because it requires you to be consistent. It interrupts your relaxation. Again, finally, you sit down with a cup of tea and then you hear the shrieking, the screaming, and the fighting. And you're like, I'm on again. <laughs> and so, mums, this is another major area of your calling which requires you to trust God. To trust Him that what He tells you to do in the Bible is correct, even when it contradicts culture or your mother's group or the blogs that you read. To trust Him that His given methods will work, even when it looks like it won't. And to trust Him that your weak efforts to produce a fine child, that He will use, rather, your weak efforts to produce a fine child by His grace. And then to trust Him that even if you do everything by the book, ultimately, you cannot turn a stony, hard heart into a soft one. You cannot save your child. Discipline is a major part of your calling and therefore it's a major part of, tr of trust. Trusting God, mums, infuses your mothering with peace, joy and energising hope for the task. Now, I know each time I've come back to the gospel, but I know you mums, and I know what you'll go away hearing from this message. All the things you must do and how you failed in them. I know that's what you're going to hear. You're going to go away with condemnation and guilt. And so I want to remind you, yes, you have a high and holy calling. You have many tasks and requirements. You will have many highs and lows, successes and failures. In the same 10-minute block, you'll be tenderly affectionate, demonstrate a saintly example, and train your child in the way they should go, and then lose your temper, be rude, and feel like you've ruined their eternity. What are you to do? Trust in the Lord and do good. Trust in the Lord and do good. And in that, experience the liberating power of the gospel. That your sins are forgiven. You can live with peace as a mum because you don't carry the burden of your sins. Experience the joy of mothering, trusting in the Lord, knowing that it's His power, not yours, that will enable you in the task. And as you trust God, experience His energizing hope that you can do this task because ultimately He's sovereign and in control of your mothering. You don't have to walk with fear and guilt with overwhel being overwhelmed and condemned because God has got you and he's got your children. Trust God and do good. Carolyn writes this. 18 years after I was first asked that question, what would you do differently? My answer is still the same. But I would add one thing. I wish I had trusted God more because he is trustworthy. And I would declare it more confidently than ever because I'm more sure than ever that God is faithful. And so I say to you, dear mothers, laden with guilt and fear, fly to him today and trust him. Let's pray. Lord God, I pray and ask that you would help our moms to trust you 
to not trust themselves or their methods, to not trust even in their failures and, and predict the future and, and know what they think will happen, but to trust you, to trust you to give them the power to love with tender affection, as they're called, to demonstrate a great example and to discipline their children as they're called, and to trust you with their failures in the process of this task. Lord, would you bless our mums, old and young, give them faith for the journey and the power to do it day in and day out, whether their kids are at home or far away. We ask for your grace in Jesus' name. Amen.